What's 9 times 27? The answer is somehow 270 days, due to the weird math of the Gregorian calendar. That also means we're 74% of the way through 2022, and there's just one more quarter to go. This is Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast that doesn't keep score. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, a major buy-right development with 245 units is planned for land along the Rivanna River in Charlottesville. Charlottesville resumes the review of the names of two elementary schools. The public comment period has now opened for a proposed revocation of the state's 2021 model policy on transgendered students. A committee of the Board of Visitors discusses the future of coal power at the University of Virginia. And Charlottesville's Climate Action Plan is out for your review. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, are you interested in climate-friendly, family-friendly ways to replace short car rides? Have you heard about e-bikes? Wondering what kind might be right for you? Join Livable Charlottesville, Livable Seaville on Sunday, October 16th from 2 to 4 at Mead Park for a fun afternoon with lots of e-bike owners you can talk to and several types of e-bikes you can take for short test rides. Everyone is invited to e-bike demo day. To learn more, visit livableseaville.org. An entity called Seven Development LLC has filed a site plan with the city of Charlottesville to build 245 apartment units on nearly seven acres of land near the Rivanna River within land within the floodplain. No rezoning or special use permit is required, and the site plan, drawn up by Shimp Engineering, does not show any critical slopes that would be disturbed. That means Charlottesville must approve the project if the developer can demonstrate they have met all of the technical requirements. The project has a working address of 0 East High Street. According to the city's geographical information system, the entire project is within what's known as the 1% exceedance floodplain, as maintained by the Federal Emergency Management Agency. That's often referred to as the 100-year floodplain. The rest of the land is within the regulatory floodway, and that border would be noted with a retaining wall that would be a maximum of 15 feet high. Most of the land is zoned either B1 or B3. The three buildings would each have a height of four stories and a total footprint of 322,000 square feet. Each would be constructed on fill to elevate the foundation above the current topography, out of the floodplain. Building A would have 45 units, and the foundation would be at 334 feet above sea level. Building B would have 60 units and be at 335 feet. Building C would have 140 units and also would be at 335 feet. There are several parcels involved with the transaction, all three of which are owned by developer Wendell Wood under the name Southern Vector or Southern Ventures. These include a small sliver on Caroline Avenue that would be used for the southern entrance for the project. The city of Charlottesville would have to accept that into the city's road system. The 320 parking spaces for the project would be built between a row of single-family homes on Caroline Avenue and the new apartment buildings. The northern entrance would skirt along another property heading through a narrow portion of the land that terminates at East High Street, about a tenth of a mile from its intersection with US 250. 
A traffic count in the site plan estimates that the project will generate 1,334 trips per day. The site plan states that the project would be at 12 dwelling units per acre. That calculation uses the entire almost 21 acres of the three parcels of land involved. The site plan shows that 8.9% of the total property will be structures, 11.1% will become pavement, and 2.5% will be sidewalks. The remaining 77.5% will remain in open space. There would be 123 bicycle spaces in the project. The stormwater plan shows two outfalls from the site, with one collecting into an underground storage facility. The other will use something called an engineered level spreader. The city's comments on the project will be sent to the developer by October 28th. A site plan conference will eventually be scheduled, and that will be the only public meeting except for any neighborhood meetings the developer might voluntarily call. The names of several schools in Albemarle have recently been changed to new ones, per a policy initiated by school superintendent Matthew Haas in October of 2018. Now, Charlottesville City Schools have resumed the process of determining whether its own facilities are appropriately named, and Clark Elementary and Venable Elementary are still up first. Here's a section from a webpage on the topic on the school system's website. Like many communities, universities, and K-12 schools across the country, Charlottesville City Schools is aware that our school names send a message to our students, staff, and community, and should therefore reflect our values. Phil Varner, a member of the city's Historic Resources Committee, has compiled a list of resources for namesakes that was first published in October of 2020, but the work was put on hold while the search for a new superintendent took place. According to the options in a survey, the three choices are keep the names and their association with George Rogers Clark and Charles Scott Venable, keep the names but end the association with those individuals, or find new names entirely. The Commonwealth of Virginia offers an opportunity for the public to comment on a wide variety of public policy changes through something called the Regulatory Town Hall. Currently, there are forums for 27 regulatory activities and 25 amendments to policy guidance. The 30 window is about to close for changes to how transient occupancy taxes are collected, and there have been no comments. In fact, most policy changes attract little to no attention from the public. Some do. For instance, there are 20 comments for revisions of the child care subsidy program administered by the State Board of Education. The window opened yesterday for comments on Governor Glenn Youngkin's proposed revocation of the 2021 model policy for transgendered students. Here's a section from the description of the public comment forum for this proposed change. The Code of Virginia reaffirms the rights of parents to determine how their children will be raised and educated. Empowering parents is not only a fundamental right, but is essential to improving outcomes for all children in Virginia. As of this writing, there were nearly 16,000 comments, a number that will likely be outdated by the time you hear this. The window closes on October 26, 2022, and the Board of Education may take up a vote at their meeting in mid-November. When that happens, the event will be live-streamed on the Virginia Department of Education YouTube page.
You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in this second subscriber-supported shout-out, Charlottesville Community Bikes believes that bicycles can be a means to social change, addressing issues of equity, access, and inclusion. They provide free bikes to adults who need one and have a special program that provides free bikes to children. Their mobile bike repair clinics continue September 29th with a stop on Mickey Drive. Want to learn more or support their work? Charlottesville Community Bikes currently is seeking matching funds for a grant from the Outride Fund. Visit charlottesvillecommunitybikes.org to learn more. As the temperatures get colder, thoughts of many turn to how homes and businesses will be heated in the winter months. As the temperatures get colder, thoughts of many turn to how homes and businesses will be heated in the winter months. The University of Virginia continues to burn coal for a portion of the year to supplement the natural gas it purchases from the city of Charlottesville. The topic came up at the end of the University of Virginia Board of Visitors Buildings and Grounds Committee on September 15th. University of Virginia architect Alice Rocher provided an overview of UVA's sustainability goals. The big goal, of course, is carbon neutrality by 2030 and fossil fuel free by 2050. The discussion gave the chance to provide an update on how UVA is doing. We have reduced our carbon footprint over the last 10 years by 43%. Um, We have some uh, utility solar fields that we have partnered with Dominion Energy on uh, in the the state of Virginia where the, um, the power goes into the grid. Rauche said the Buildings and Grounds Committee will be briefed on more initiatives in the years to come. One new member of the committee, appointed by Governor Glenn Youngkin, asked a question about a controversial piece of infrastructure. Bertram Ellis Jr. is a member of the class of 1975, whose appointment this year has been controversial among students, according to an article in Inside Higher Ed that you can find in the newsletter. What is the the future of the, the, the coal silos? Right over there by the... Oh, great question. We talked about that the other day. Across the street from the spot. Yeah, that, that is a good question. Um, right now, our heat plant needs to burn coal um, because the, we don't, um, the demand on the city's natural gas um, ability to supply natural gas when it gets really cold in the winter is too much for them to handle and so that we get curtailed. Rocher said the coal tower is a backup. Uh, Long term, we'd love to. We'd like to get off coal. We have to get our gas from the city. We do, unless we run our own unless we run our own pipeline. President Jim Ryan summed up the situation. So there are a couple of other options. One is see if we can get more gas from the town. That has not been successful so far, but it's something to keep thinking about. You could have alternative backups. One is oil, but oil is not much better than coal. The other is geothermal. Rocher said UVA is exploring that option and is working with a consultant to determine a way forward. The next step is to drill some test wells around grounds. We think we have um, good underground conditions that would support geothermal. The next meeting of the UVA Board of Visitors is December 8th through December 9th. 
Finally today, Charlottesville City Council will take up a draft climate action plan at its next meeting on October 3rd at a work session that begins at 4 p.m. Here's a section from a press release that went out this morning. The plan builds upon past work of the city's climate program and provides a strategic framework to guide city and community actions to achieve our greenhouse gas reduction goals of 45 percent by 2030 and carbon neutrality by 2050. The plan notes that Charlottesville Gas stopped advertising for new customers in the city of Charlottesville in 2018. The University of Virginia is mostly located within Albemarle County. Here's page 75 of the draft plan. Some community input on this plan also advocated to restrict any new hookups within the gas system's existing territory. Charlottesville's legal authority to do so is unknown at this time and is included in the decarbonization of gas utility study. Albemarle County completed a climate action plan in October of 2020 and have now turned their attention to developing a climate resilience plan. There's an information meeting on that this Thursday night that will delve into the climate vulnerability and risk assessment released in June of 2022. More on Charlottesville's draft climate action plan in future installments of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Plan to take a look. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, another episode complete. And when will the next one be? Hopefully tomorrow. There's a lot to review from previous weeks, as well as more information to sift through for future stories. Many of the segments eventually wind up on Information Charlottesville, an archive for this newsletter with hundreds of stories documenting public policy in this part of central Virginia. Support for all of this work comes from paid subscribers to this newsletter. About one in four do so, and I'm grateful for that support, which helps me plan ahead for future episodes and expansions. A bonus is that Ting will match your first payment, which helps shore up that planning into implementation. And if you sign up for Ting through a link in the newsletter, what do you get? Free standard installation, your second month free, and a $75 downtown mall gift card. Enter the promo code COMMUNITY to get those benefits, and thank you to Ting. Music in the podcast version comes from a musical entity known as Vrocky. You can sample that work on Bandcamp in an album called Regret Everything. Pay what you want and thank you to Vraki. Maybe one day another podcast called The Notes That Were might suddenly magically appear and maybe you'll be able to hear that too. Finally, if you want to know when the next edition is going to come out, the most up-to-date information is on the Seville Town Crier Twitter at twitter.com slash Seville Town Crier or at Seville Town Crier. You would think I would know how to say that by now. The final thing I will say is that as of this recording, there are 16,309 comments on Virginia Regulatory Town Hall regarding the transgendered policy. What will it be tomorrow? I'm not sure, but uh, what will it be in a month? And of course, will anybody read any of it? I don't know, but I bet you that there will be plenty of news outlets that will go through and discuss this fully. Perhaps this one too. Who knows what will happen in the future, except for, oh, 16,320. Stay tuned. Goodbye. Goodbye.